born to the Armenian family in Maine in 1947, oh yeah, she went on to be in the notorious Toronto version of Godspell directed by Paul Schaefer. From there she joined Second City and earned two Emmys and two Tonys. Oh yeah. It is time for Andrea Martin to make James uncomfortable, so very very uncomfortable. Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast, where we will be going through... through I, no, it's Star Trek. I, we talk about Star Trek. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Star Trek. That's right. I forgot, because there's so little Federation stuff. In this. <laughs> Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, every single episode, the greatest TV show to make Andrea Martin the most unappealing. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> but we'll get into that later. If you're a listener to every episode of this podcast, you may have heard me get creepy about her back in yeah. that first Ferengi episode in season one. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Yeah, this is going to be three guys react to Andrea Martin's body a lot. <laughs> well, ways. it's not even her body. It's the makeup I'm reacting. Yeah, no, no. Anyway, let's just, yes. hey, what's this episode called? Uh, this this episode, my naked mom, <laughs> my naked mom. Uh, well, first off, do you want to talk about? You guys want to introduce yourselves to maybe any new listeners? Oh, I'm sorry, I got I got all worked up about Andrea Martin's naked makeup body. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's patting himself down with his little rag there, uh, his <laughs> face and cheeks. <laughs> you yeah. sound inoptimal. Yeah, you sound like you're you're trapped in a box. You sounded underwater. Yeah. How's that? Is that better? It sounds like you're above the Belafonte. <laughs> you're on the top of the Belafonte. If I start singing David Bowie songs in Portuguese, you'll know why. Yes. All right. So you are... Oh, yeah. So anyways, yeah. My name is Wade Bowen. I sometimes say that last, but I'm going to say it first this time. Take a bow. You've earned it. (laughs) I don't know about that. But anyways, yes, my name is Wade Bowen. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. Yes, this week we're talking about an episode called Family Business. It is episode 23 of season three. It originally aired on May 15th, 1995, and IMDb description is as follows. Quark and Rom return to the Ferengi homeworld because their mother has broken the law by wearing clothes and earning profits. That's profits plural for some reason. Uh, Forbidden for women in Ferengi society. What this episode also fails to mention in the description is the introduction of Cassidy Yates. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. And what else is it? Is that, that's pretty much all the B story. Yeah, that's the B story. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of first appearances of people in this one. We get the second appearance of Jeffrey Combs. Oh, yeah. But the first appearance of Liquidator Brunt. Yes. Where he plays a Ferengi. I like Liquidator Brunt. <laughs> and then, of course, we have Andrea Martin as Ishka, daughter of Aldred, wife of Keldar, also known as Moogie. And this is the last time we see Andrew Martin, but then la- not the last time we see Ishka. That's right, right. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, she gets recast. Yeah. yeah. Andrea Martin's like, fuck this. Andrea Martin was quite upset with the body makeup. Well, you know what? I was too, because <laughs> it is awful. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, do, do we just want to get all the weird? Because I, I got like a lot of notes about the the weird nude stuff. Yeah, well, and I know we, that I, that's a hobby horse of mine on the show, but the, we can do that. W- w- what block do we want to right. relegate? Well, why don't we start to? off with right off the bat? It opens up with Quark and Trouble, right? With the equivalent of the tax. Oh, well, no, it it opens up with Cisco making oh cooking. That's right, Hungarian chicken, paprikis. 
paprikesh. It's always weird to see them cooking on this show because there's no, there are no actual kitchens in their quarters. So he's essentially just <laughs> right. They've got a hot plate. Yeah, yeah. he's got like he, he's like Barney Five. He's cooking on yes. a hot plate. <laughs> yeah, that's the weird thing about this paprikesh. <laughs> right. Yeah, because he's made a deal with the Purgenites. It would have been cool to, for him to have O'Brien install like a custom kitchen, like a legit kitchen <laughs> right? in quarters. Couldn't be like that a, hard. Like a, a Joanna Gaines comes in and gives him the full fixer-up treatment. Yeah, well, them nice. cooking just means them, them with a whisk stirring something most of the time, right? Yeah, that's yeah, a lot yeah. unfortunate, but... Yeah. He also cuts like a whole carrot and then puts two dices into a salad. Oh, right. I was like, that, what are you going to do with the rest of that carrot, Cisco? Like, you got to... Just throw it in the, the matter <laughs> recompiler. You are over prepping yeah. for your for two people. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just for him and Jake anyways. But anyway, but yeah, mm-hmm. he's setting up that, you know, well, we all know that Cisco likes to cook and Jake comes in and says, I know you're in a good mood. Oh, yeah. That girl's here or, or that woman, that captain I told you about. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah. So, I mean, that's there's nothing. The end. Yeah. And then, then we jump to the bar where Quark is doing really good business, and Rom is like, oh, "We're doing really good." And then the, he's, oh, then the, him and uh, Rom have a conversation about where Nog is, and he's like, "Oh, he's in his room studying." And then Quark gets a whole thing about, "Oh, it's going to be the end of Ferengi civilization because these Federation values coming in." And then Rom's like, "No, he just wants a job with better hours." And then so. We get starting off talking about the Ferengi customs and beliefs and disagreements with that. And then Jeffrey Combs comes in, liquidator brunt of the Federal Commerce Association, and slaps a writ of accountability on the wall, and they freak out. Okay, everybody out of the bar. Yeah, does that make sense to you guys? I mean, I don't know. Like, it, like I, there's nothing about the Ferengi culture that makes any sense to me, but one of which is... Why would a libertarian race of essentially anarcho-capitalists have a trade commerce, like an overpowerful trade commerce authority? Because it's kind of the the Protestant ideal where we get capitalism from run amok, where they've institutionalized these these principles as religion mm-hmm. to where they just believe in this stuff, like. They've got this set down where these rules that you follow, and it's it's become an institution. With the institution carries so much power on top of aside from just the capitalism aspect. Yeah, but it just seems like also it's a silly plot device to move this bullshit story along. So no, 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 yeah, mainly that, mainly that, sure, mainly that, mainly that. Well, we're introducing a major character here as a sort of an element of the Ferengi culture in Brunt. Why couldn't they just make it an actual tax guy? Why can't it be taxes? That would be the most interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's less interesting because we've already got the Nagus set up as like the Ferengi Pope. Well, because it, it makes sense because you would have a government that wants a peace, right? Because they're for- yeah. It's but then it becomes it's gangsterism. It's why why are you uh, why are you earning a money off a book and not kicking up to me? That would be the issue to go after Andrea Martin. Would be that she's not yeah that she's a female and they have this ridiculously rigid rule right. that makes no sense that I've well it's, it's like it's but a, now that it's it's a established at least then they can tax you know it's taxes right well it's that but then i think it's with a capitalist patriarchy that is also religion yeah i think if it were just put down to straight capitalism and cronyism i think it's because this the capital the profit has been institutionalized to the extent that it's religion to where you don't even question the why of it it's just those are the rules and we have to follow the rules females don't belong in business Give me one reason why not. 
because it's wrong. Yeah, I think that I think it's a more powerful or I see more of a core story in it than just being like, why don't they just make it? Well, it it all goes back to the idea that their extreme cultural misogyny makes no sense. Right. Right. And their own culture. And if you take that out of it, then they are just a narco capitalist and then, you know, it all kind of... Yeah. Like, why wouldn't they always be trying to break the rules? Well, well here's I mean, the thing. So I, the I, idea- I don't want to say... I Right off the bat, I just want to state that I called it a bullshit story. And I, I really like this episode. And I think, like, I don't want to discount it because I really think this an important... This is what I like about Star Trek mm-hmm. and particularly Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. This is a strength because... These aren't people who are just visiting a world, encounter a social problem, and then they're like literally never going to be that way again for the rest of their life, right? Because mm-hmm. that's how traditionally would go. You'd have a recurring characters that live on a ship. They beam down to a world. They've got a society with outdated rules that make no sense. Mm-hmm. These are characters that have to deal with like long-term ramifications of a society like this. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it. We, we've already established that Quark has abandoned a love affair. Right. Based on the inability for him to accept women making money. Yeah. And he doesn't change. I mean, he does change and he comes to grips, but he doesn't like his whole argument about Nog ruining Ferengi civilization. Yeah. He doesn't abandon what it is to be Ferengi. He never stops believing in Fer- He He melds and learns to, you know, maybe except women a little bit more eventually, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, I like <laughs> but, the, the second the second theme of the show is that, like, a secondary idea behind what they're saying here is that toxic masculinity tears down the males e- even if they're not aware of it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And And the system... The patriarchy hurts men, too. Right. Yeah, well, with, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, in ways that they're not aware. And I think that... Yeah. Quark's situation is a good example of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that he is all for a system that is going to, that could eventually ruin him. Mm-hmm. Right. And we we give a lot of stuff about the Ferengi being Anne Randian kind of objectivist and stuff. Yeah. But I think actually that might be a little too simplistic, even if you look at them through a lens of American capitalism and even evangelical i don't know why i'm on the protestant ideal thing but it i think it makes sense where because they're hand in hand for american capitalism exactly exactly so yeah yeah, it's also yeah yeah you can't separate the two. yeah and you need and and there's certain point like well yeah we're all about making money but we're also we kind of do that on the backs of a underprivileged class that we can take advantage of yeah in this case it's the ferengi women but yeah and, and it's just kind of, oh, those that's because that's the law. You know, that's why we, it's not, it's, it's just wrong, okay? I don't know why it's wrong. It just is because that's what it, we're raised with. And, yeah. And, okay. I've made these points before and I don't remember what episode, go, you know, whatever episode I made these long points about how their women issues don't make any sense. It was probably the one with the woman <laughs> probably with the girl <laughs> with the girl that yeah, the one that, that has the same title as her damn podcast oh, it, was, it was called rules of acquisition okay. <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah that one <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so that episode and how much none of that makes sense to me but i mean it's here and it's, it's in canon and so not just the women earning profit but oh my god they didn't 
skirt any on the nudity thing. Oh, that was, and it was, and they should have, and they should have. I don't. They should have let that blood breathe. I by. love the fact. I, I mean, oh, I found it creepy, and it, and it wasn't even the nudity that weirded me out. It's not the nudity. It's the talking about like, mom. I would be so much more comfortable if you were totally naked right now. Like, I think that's great though, because they're an alien culture, and it's that's what I like about the Ferengi. Like, yes, they represent a certain part of humanity that the Federation has evolved beyond. But at the same time, if we're going to do an alien culture, we can't make them just straight one-to-one. There has to be something alien about it. If they're just humans, that's stupid and that's bad. And I said before, that when we had this discussion, I think that's just a bad alien if they're just straight But do, does it have to be something so fucking gross? Yeah, I think like it does. I think really that makes like it better. Suck, if they like to suck buzz out of each other's pimples, we wouldn't want to watch that. No, we wouldn't, but it would make sense. But it, hey, I think the fact that it does, I, I find it. Rom puts his, I know. Rom wants his mother to strip naked and he puts his head right there next to her naked pussy. <laughs> I know. And, and I'm supposed to be comfortable with that while she's stroking his head. No, you're not supposed to be comfortable. That's the whole point. I know, but I'm just saying that it's too uncomfortable. To, it doesn't pay off. It's so weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, that's like some... I just think... I think it's played for yucks is what it is. It's not this alien... I think David Cronenberg loves it. I don't know. Because <sighs> it's weird, <sighs> fucked up kind of... But David Cronenberg could probably do this. <laughs> Iris Stephen Bear and Rene Auberjonois. Did he, did he? I don't know if they sold it for no, me. No, did he? He directed this. He directed this. He one. did direct this one. Yeah, I thought he did a great job with this one too. But I, I don't. I, know. It's fine. I don't. I don't know. I don't have a. My problems with it are conceptual. I mean, I, this isn't a bad episode. And Andrew Martin is a gem, and Jeffrey Combs is a gem, and it's got a real story and an arc. And I mean, and Iris Stephen Bear worked really hard on it. I well, guess. and it's got an important like, theme it, of agency and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's woke. I mean, it's all of these things that we complain about other episodes don't, but it's got this central weirdness oh yeah so we should say yeah she's earning profit because bylaw of the ferengi commerce subsection 1027 paragraph three improper supervision of a family member she's earning profit she's not supposed to yeah and so quark and rom go back to the ferengi homeworld or ferenginar as it's sometimes referred to but not in this episode <laughs> so it's like a weird dagobah caliphate planet is it always raining there yeah i think it is yeah oh it's weird i like that though because was... they're they're like weird frog people kind of they live in the rain and, and they come in when they first come in that first time with brunt and they go into mm. his house and they're all wet and kind of shiny it just aesthetically i thought it well Ferengi architecture and everything was another thing to discuss, but I just thought they did a good job with differentiating it from Cardassian that we see in the station all the time. Anyways, I'm sorry, what are you going to say? Nothing. I'm just, I just thinking on an evolutionary. I'm always wanting to like reverse engineer the pieces of the world building to see how a race of aliens could evolve. Oh yeah, and you know, and it would seem to me that if I guess you, they are kind of froggy, but. I guess so. If you look at it in that context, maybe the like growing up on a, a rain. Yeah. Like I don't know. Maybe if it, it's maybe you would have to like. That, it feels like a wet planet was easy for life to flourish, right? Lots of water. Well, yeah, and if it's always raining, the creatures that could hear the best over the rain could probably survive. You know, pre- like larger predators. Yeah, yeah, and there's lots of bugs to eat. I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. They do eat bugs, yeah. But culturally, if you think about the first Ferengi that convinced their females 
in their family to like forego any sort of clothing in that environment. That doesn't make any sense. Like, how do you convince like an ancient Ferengi? Yeah. But like, I mean, cave Ferengi, like the men are decided that they'd like to be warm and dry, but decided that their women should not be. Well, it, it's a, just a subjugating. We, if I keep my women locked in the house all the time, no one else is going to sleep with her. And right. therefore my young are going to be, but it is okay. So like we brought it up in a previous episode It's Gorian. Yeah. Very. In, in a lot of ways. So that is a type of page. But Ishka don't fly with that shit. Well, not yeah, And that's, fine and that's the proper way to introduce i mean that that i don't have a problem I mean, yeah yeah ishka as a character is great and i don't mind that they're a patriarchy that makes sense to me too what it doesn't is just that it's the sexualized yeah i mean nudity is sexualization i mean just in general yeah yeah like we can all agree with that right and the sexualizing them in a domestic family situation i don't know i mean if you want to get all freudian about it i think that's easy to do too like these weird kind of yeah and well you could get all portnoy's complain about it too which would be problematic i guess <laughs> given the characters that's, okay that's exactly where you want to go is that why did these men so uncomfortable by their mom dressing mm-hmm. and i it, it's so weird and it becomes commonplace so it desexualizes them yeah well i think but at the same time so because brunt is uncomfortable that she's clothed right that that is a desexualization of her that he's scandalized by her clothes wearingness so it just again it makes no sense it makes no sense in a human context but again they're aliens so they have to be something that we don't quite relate to but i can only watch this with my human brain and i and i I have to like somehow they've got to make some allotment to me they do everything else they have to the weird flip of the sexuality and nudity thing one it's kind of a repressive kind of religious kind of thing but also and it's a way that it's opposite of how we humans think of our mothers so it also makes them a little bit more alien than they would be otherwise it's the only thing that they do that is repressive not through capitalism but through hierarchy yeah through uh, through authority it's the only thing they do like that so it's weird to me it's the only thing they like I, I made a whole thing about commodifying women would be something that a an anarcho-capitalist society would be excited to do and, and be sort of vigilant about, and they can't commoditize a woman if she's nude. I don't and is not allowed. I, to I don't agree with position. that at all. She's property, so it's easy to commoditize someone that's nude. No, they can't sell her things. No, they can't sell her like we like we did in the fifties and sell them washers and dryers and laundry. No, and, and they can sell her and, things. Like, turn them into, she just can't make profit. Not clothing. That's a not whole, clothing. Well, not clothing. But there's no Coco Chanel of of. It doesn't matter. There's other things because, like, when they first go into when they show up at Quark's or Ishka's home, one. Well, the first thing I liked is that you had to pay a toll to come inside. That was a, that was a great touch. Yeah, that like, was beautiful. It, like the whole Fringies make you pay for everything was a nice <laughs> touch. But that was that was a beautiful touch. And then they make you say like this little oath that everything within the South is mine and I have no right to take. Yeah, it. yeah. My home is my home. You know, not yes. my, my home is all everything is yours. It's like my yeah. home is my yeah. home, as is all its possessions. Yes. Yeah. That's a great. Yeah, as you come in, all the legal waivers and admission fee, thank you, put that in the pot. My home is my home, (laughs) as is all its contents. 
That's pretty great. But when they go in, Rom even says, oh, oh, Moogie, you you bought, you really acquired a lot of things. And then Brunt gives him in. Uh, I hope you get cast as Rom <laughs> in the Deep Space Nine animated series. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, if y'all need something for a video game or animated series, call me up. I'm your man. Uh, but he's like, oh, you know, it's like, you you really acquired some stuff. And then Brunt gives him an evil look and is like, I mean, with the... Uh, with the money that court gives you with your stipend. Yeah. With your stipend. So you, they can buy things. They just can't buy clothes because they have to be naked in the home. But you know, I'm sure they can find other things to buy. I mean, and they can't leave the house. They can't leave the house, but Hey, we can buy anything on the internet now without having to leave the house. No, no, I'm not. And I know I'm just saying there's a, I think that like I've been watching Big Little Liars or like I watched a couple episodes of that. Yeah. Me too. That's what the Ferengis, that's what the Ferengis would want to establish. Is that kind of bullshit well, in if, a culture? If they hadn't already set up this weird religious uh, culture otherwise. I know. And then they doubled down. But like... If it was just Monterey, I'd be like, that's humans. That's not Ferengis. That's bad aliens. They need to have something to make... capitalists them. like Americans. They're not... Well, they are like Americans except for that one thing. Because you have to have something different. Otherwise, they're just humans. They should be a weird colony somewhere. It's so crucially disturbing. Okay, that's. I guess you're right, but it's so goddamn alienating to me <laughs> and unrelatable to me that how the fuck am I supposed to like do anything with this? Well, you relate to the other things, and then you like, oh, sometimes having an alien that is unrelatable is what's fun about sci-fi, <laughs> or that skeeves you out in a certain way is fun to have things that make you uncomfortable and to a certain that's i mean let's go back to cronenberg again he's the one that no but cronenberg is about like fucking with my shit <laughs> and about like making me scared like i cronenberg's not weird for weird no but sake. it's to it's to make you question your stuff like it's like i mean hey this weird edible shit is if it was culturally acceptable to, for me to lay my head on my mom's pussy would i do it no weird I, edible I shit actually isn't that unusual here's the thing james i think that what wade is saying is probably true but i think that on the most basic tv level that whole scene that whole idea is played for yucks it's just a bad comedy bit that doesn't land I think that's basically what it is. I think there's just like, hey, let's do some weird, let's throw some weird aliens. But you know, okay, then why? Okay, why do that in the middle of what Iris Stephen Bear calls, and I quote, him trying to write Long Day's Journey at tonight? Oh, I wrote that down. <laughs> I wrote Long Day's Journey in the night just on my notes, just thinking that about it. Because he's doing Long Day's Journey into Night yeah. with weird aliens. Because you can't do it a straight one-to-one. That's why. And yuck, yuck, nudity shit. Yeah, well. I, James, do you, do you disagree that it's not trying to be played for yuck, yucks? you got the most yuck, yuck character in Raw. Yeah, it's just you know. opposite a cast member from Second City. Yeah, it's right. one of the, the founders of Second City Television. SCTV. Yeah. So do you think I'm wrong in that then? No, there's some yuck, yucks involved. No, right. no, they're definitely doing it. And then I think that I think that it is played for yuck, yucks. In fact, they do a fucking deadpan to the camera at one right. point. <laughs> well, that's right. That wasn't with her being naked. That's when Rom comes in know, and says but, something. But it, like, it, oh, it, I wish father were... Which is so f- fucking long day's journey tonight. That's where I wrote it down, I think. It's like, I wish father were here. Mm-hmm. Where we were just sitting around talking about issues of... The- I'm starting to do a bad Kermit the Frog impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> talking about issues of the day. Okay, maybe I... Well... 
hey, hey, Hollywood, when you want me to do that ROM for big bucks, I'll work on it. You'll tighten it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You'll yeah. tighten it up when the, when the time comes. Yeah. But he's like, I wish Father were here talking about it. And then they do a take to the camera, which I thought was, I liked. I thought it was great, but it's fine if you didn't. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, no, I don't, I, I, it was weird, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It's so weird that I can't process the nude shit the destabilized, over-sexualized relationship with the mom, and not in a way I can understand, and not in a way that I think that they're playing with, like, edible fire. No, I, I think, think it's, it's just, sexualized, yeah. but all the same time, it's like you said, it is desexualized. For them, it's not sexual. But for me, it's, you're right, it's not sexual for them. And it is for me. And that's <laughs> well, that's your problem, man. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying when you're talking about like aliens, nudity, and your mom and shit, I'm supposed to relate to them as sons of their mother. Yeah, that's how me as a. If it didn't make you uncomfortable, I think that would be something saying something weird about you. But the fact that it does, that's the right response. I don't think that Ira Stephen Bear, I think Ira Stephen Bear thought it was yuck, yuck and funny. And I don't think that he thought that for a minute that it was disturbing. And I think that's a fault. I think he had to know it was a little bit weird. And what was disturbing to me was that makeup was like, she... Yeah, that was it was particularly it was, And that's why she quit. She said, like, because it was Kleenex-based. It wasn't latex sheet-based. They had to, like... Oh, really? Yeah, what they had the to, like... They, she, they essentially, like, spitballs on her. Yeah. And then, like, painted that. Like, it's like, gross. Like, everyone it, else's and, makeup looks so good, but she looked like absolute dog shit. Mm -hmm. She looked like... She looked like a drawing from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark that somebody made of the fucking bathtub lady from, from The Shining... <laughs> It was yeah, yeah, it does look like that, yeah. And am I wrong on thinking this? But, like, they established in Rules of Acquisition that females have really small ears, right? They did, kind of, but they kind of forgot about that, it felt like. Well, of course. Can't, can't they forget about the nudity thing? <laughs> so, but, yeah, that, that's... I, yeah. yeah. I felt like, oh, and then, well, then they're just, like, all melty, and, like, maybe her ears... It's like old men's balls or something. <laughs> yeah, it was about the end. They, the ears, not only that, but they like the ear holes didn't Oh, work that right. was the worst part of it. Yeah. That's what grossed me out the most was like those fucking just. Yeah, it was hard to look at. Black. Like, every time she turned her head to the side, it was like those black holes in the side of her head, which maybe were just to make her hear better or something. But it just fucking was so disgusting to talk about the nudity stuff grossing you out. Just those ear holes grossed me out. To no end. I agree. That was the worst part of it, the whole thing. And then the weird flaps around her mouth. Like, I don't know what that mm -hmm. was about. That it was, was a piece of... It was a... It was a piece of shit. Like, spoilers, I think when they recast Ishka later, I think they make... They fixed the They fixed the makeup yeah. a little bit, which... Yeah. They could have told Andrea Martin that they would. Yeah, right? <laughs> she probably still said no, but yeah. Yeah, she's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't believe you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fool me once. Why didn't they throw the chance of acting opposite Wallace Shawn at her? And that would have been... Yeah, right? More fun. Right? Because, the yeah, you would want to see, like, I mean, she's a good opposite parallel to Wallace Shawn. It would have been fun to see them, too. It yeah, yeah. Mix it up, I guess. But yeah. This episode, I don't hate this episode. I just feel like that's a stumbling block. If it's played for yucks and it doesn't <laughs> land on the yuck level, then then it doesn't work. Yeah, and there was th there was things that really did work. All this stuff with the, they don't make no sense. It doesn't make sense to me from a world building cultural perspective. But all the scenes with the Ferenganar, the FCA, is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff was fabulous, and the paying for the chair. Yeah, and all the stuff with Brunt. Oh, I love that stuff. Seven slips to go up to the elevator 
it's like that's the 40 flights of stairs yeah, yeah yeah okay you want to talk about cultural alien like it seems exhausting to be a, a ferengi <laughs> right it does. it does and they really convey that really well <laughs> and there's there's such it there's such tools of that system but they, they they love it so much and i mean that's what that's what alien cultures are supposed to do is take a thing from your world and heighten it into a comical degree where you can see the sort of absurdity of it and that's what they're doing with all of this paying for all of this kind of shit yeah like, right right like i was reading this thing that like i guess millennials don't gamble uh, it's like a thing oh yeah and so like vegas is hiding it or is trying to hide it but they're like about to go under oh really yeah vegas is crumbling and one of the ways that you could tell is that nobody's showing up, so they started charging for parking, which makes, like, no fucking sense. Huh. Like, why would you? <laughs> I know you got to pay bills, but why, if people aren't coming through your door, why are you going to make it more expensive to get through your door? Right. And and I guess it's you're trying to fleece the, right. the, 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 the people with the problems that, are going to show up. The, <laughs> the people with problems. Yeah. yeah. So it's all of these different sort of transactions that capitalists, like extreme sort of lawless capitalism, has to sort of make to, to stay afloat. And it is kind of funny that like he wouldn't walk up the stairs for seven things. But like going down, he would because, you know, like because he thought he had a little more money than so like the whole sort of trade, like the exchanges and the mental calculations and how that's tied to their emotions. It's all really funny to me. Yeah, yeah. That stuff is that's the stuff when the Ferengi culture is landing. Yeah. That's when they're throwing their pitches for strikes. Right. But the the patriarchy stuff, is it's lost me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I get the patriarchy stuff for me just from, like, the stuff I was harping on before. Well, because I, you're sexist it, yourself is... No, no, I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah, I agree with it. Exactly where they're coming from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah women... Yeah, I mean, right. Hey, ladies, go to Buck. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's not. Let me get this. I don't think that I don't have a problem with Ferengi's establishing a patriarchy. That makes perfect sense to me. It's establishing this patriarchy, this sort of authoritarian, top-down, weird sex thing. It makes sense. Like, hey, this is my female. This Gorian nature. The fact that they refer to him female as only this is my female. I can do it. And then it's it's not for sharing with anyone. She can't talk to anyone because it's my female i mean it's your classic like women is property it's the same thing that humans did yeah but that's not a that's not a capitalist thing that's a conquering culture thing well if the klingons it, made their women being if that was a then it's not and i'm glad it's not but if that was an element of the of the klingons it is a capitalist thing that, and, and once you make them property they're part of capitalism no that's part of authoritarian like controlism well it's hand in hand it's both of those things no i mean i don't don't i mean i don't i don't want to sing the praises of capitalism at all it's a like, certain no this not all of not Pure capitalism. Once the post-industrial, it's not. It's not a coincidence that industrialized society brought more social freedoms for women. I mean, capitalism brought freedom for women in a lot of ways, or that like it correlated. Let's say that. And I don't think that that's accidental. I think that because these. <laughs> They'll work for seventy cents on the dollar, man. Like that's just smart business, and so they did get to like work, and and then you get to do these, you know, two household things. You don't have to pay them as much because then you have to. Yeah, but that's like twentieth century capitalism. That's like late. Uh, capitalism is only 200 years old. Well, yeah, but women as property goes back millennium. <laughs> and that's my point. It was more of an authoritarian thing. Yeah. So if the Klingons had done that with women at nude stay at home and the men are conquering war heroes, that would have made more cultural sense to me. But the way that Ferengis do it, it's just that they have this like one thing. 
Yeah. That's like super fucking weird. And everything else makes sense to me from like a Wall Street. Like I I, I have a reference for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then this one thing is like super fucking right. weird. Well, I, to me, that's a plus. That's a benefit to having. If it all made complete one-to-one sense to me, I again, I you, you need, for me, I like having one thing that's not quite the logical thing. Because things don't work, the world doesn't work that way where everything is makes total sense usually there's like one thing that just doesn't make sense and for whatever reasons because of human uh instability or not even human well in this case it's not human but something and i guess we i guess we could highlight that that's what the episode is about i guess mm-hmm. i guess that we're talking around it like it's not what the episode yeah, is about true, yeah. is that she was a, she was a key earner why is she being left out of the system and that is sort of the question that's being asked is that she she was good at this right right yeah you know? and yeah like quirk's father was horrible at it and yeah and he was holding on to the old traditions of like oh patriarchy was hurting him. yeah too. yeah because he was bad <laughs> at it he's like you know he would have been a great homemaker if they could have swapped roles he would have been a great right, homemaker because right. he was a wonderful father then she was a great earner and so yeah yeah even if Keldar didn't know the first thing about profit he knew everything about family no, I got, and then yeah I yeah, yeah you know he couldn't hold on to platinum if it was sewed into his pants <laughs> he's like rom and like yo rom's a lot like your father and it, i like how they don't pull any punches and like she's just like yeah no your father was a piece of shit he was a loveless failure <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah because he, he was mad because i'm i had bigger my lobes i had better lobes than him and he couldn't hold on to that he, he couldn't deal with that so he he would and then quark who was trying to be a good ferengi like his father resented his mother and as soon as he hit the age of ascension ran off and then rom was stuck and Rom playing the peacekeeper, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very. I did like that you got this idea because it's Long Day's Journey in the Night that Rom had more sort of. Yeah, like, I'm the one that stayed here. You, you were an officer. Yeah, he picked up that, hey, there was more of Rom and the man who's, who had to pick up the pieces of his family's horridness. And yeah. Yeah, that's, it's six feet under. It's Ferengi six feet under. I was the one to left pick up pieces while you ran around and did all the dumb shit. Yeah, so I'm resent. You know, it, it, that part, all that worked. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, this this story, the A plot for me worked except for the one except weird for the naked stuff. Fucking, and it just goes back to that. And I don't like harp on things because we have to do every episode. <laughs> sure. So <laughs> these things keep coming up, so we keep talking about them. But like, yeah, that was that was a stumbling block for me on this episode. But everything else worked. Yeah. Uh, in the A story. Well, you know, meanwhile we had some good stuff happened in the b story i yeah, thought yeah, yeah. that the i think we can you guys want to talk about that bashir odo yeah uh, it, o'brien scene a little bit about them breaking <laughs> in oh, yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah that was <laughs> they're gonna perform a jailbreak that was a little weird i mean it was good scene like yeah okay so quirk runs off and leaves the station and then they're trying to break into the bar to get their dartboard back that's right but, but rom uses like unbreakable locks or something right he's got a tripartite micro ceiling lock and then cisco walks by just with a spring in his step for some reason and he's like oh that's gonna be real hard to get out like to break into that person's property and they're <laughs> it's kind of weird like is that not a crime to like oh this kind of post scarcity oh who cares everything's free sure <laughs> like people get acclimated to their possessions like okay you could just replicate another one Mm -hmm. but i guess in this post-scarcity economy people really get emotional attachments to objects real fast yeah yeah and i like that that is i mean i like it and i'm gonna sense that probably hugh doesn't i like it when they portray o'brien and bashir as dumb bros yeah me too (laughs) like that that's my favorite way to use them lightly 
You know, if you're gonna have to give them just one scene and that's it, make them be dumb bros. And they were they were the height of dumb bros in that scene. Right, right. Uh, like, oh, you know, and that, yeah. Oh, you're getting your lucky uh, dartboard's like. We never called it lucky. Yeah, yeah. So that worked for me. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, you're going to Cargo Bay 4? And he's, there's Cisco's like, what? No, I'm, I'm going to 7. It's like, oh, okay. And <laughs> this goes back to the, all the Bashir episodes that y'all hated, but everybody knows everybody's fucking business in this station, don't they? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> why... Se- se- oh, uh, I thought you were going to, to where that new captain's at. And then he's like, Bashir, how do you know? And then... Bashir immediately throws O'Brien under the bus. Like, oh, the chief told me. And it's like, O'Brien at first is like, fuck you, Bashir, throwing me under the bus. And then he's like, how many did Jake tell? Oh, yeah, well, he told everybody. And he's like, oh, okay. I don't know. Playing for yucks, that worked pretty well. Does Jake still work for O'Brien? Have they established Is that still going on? I don't know. I think he probably is. Yeah. Okay, so I, okay, so I'm gonna bitch about I'm gonna bitch about something that's gonna get you and fans to hate me. Like, come on, Bashir I, wasn't in this enough to shit on him. No, no, no. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna actually shit think, on. I'm not going to. I sh- actually think this was a little bit in his wheelhouse. That that little scene. Yeah, yeah. That that kind of stuff. Yeah, is, I agree. Is you know. And when Dax had the scene when she was like, "Oh, I hear Cassidy Yates is here." She, I thought she was good in it. I liked the way that it was shot with her high what? above and kind Wait of. Wait a minute. I, I got. I got to take umbrage nope. with one line about that. <laughs> Sorry, is that here's the thing with that scene. Here is a whole episode. Okay, I went with you on that because there was some weirdness shading in that too. No, wait a minute. Here's a whole episode. The theme is about agency. I mean, we've got Andrea Martin uh-huh. proving that she is, you know, a person worth taking charge of her own life and having agency. Then you've got Cassidy Yates, which is the end result of 100 years of equality where she's mm-hmm. her own freighter captain. She's not even a female freighter captain. She's, <laughs> she's, a, a, freighter. Strong, she's a strong, independent woman that don't need no man. <laughs> but it's like not even a yeah. thing. It's just, it just is. Yeah, yeah She's yeah. never called a female freighter captain. She's just a freighter captain. Right. Now, There's nothing like she has a chip it, on her wait, shoulder. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold That's on. That's what the whole episode is about. The whole episode is about It's this. made a little bit. It's made a little bit of a thing. But and she's like, no, I can, I can go. Well, yeah. get my crew in order. Yeah. And but he does it. Okay, but that's yeah. my my larger point is is that Dax makes a comment. The one person who says something kind of shitty is Dax saying insinuating that Cassidy is a prize to be won, as if she doesn't have. Yes. I would have stolen her from you. Oh. <laughs> like that is, <laughs> she's not a piece of property that you could swipe. She's a person. You asshole, yes. Dax. <laughs> but. I, I thought that the, the, there's a little the bit. The lecherous of, old man inside my belly wanted to fuck that girl. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's the one little thing I take umbrage with. In okay. This, in this okay, okay. I'm going to piss on. I'm going to I'm gonna shit on Cassidy Yates. Oh, what? Okay. Oh, I think okay. she's fantastic. Because even when, when she's like, I can do it myself, Cisco was like, my, yeah, you're right. You can. And he's not like, oh, you're, you've got a chip on your shoulder. He's like, yeah, you're right. Okay. Okay. So let me get everything right here. Let me get everything at, like set yeah. up. Yeah. I think Penny Johnson is great. I think I remember as the character goes on in the show, I like Cassidy Yates. If it's her hair, I agree with you. Her hair was weird. It, no, it's not. It's it's not her hair. It's that she is brought on only as a love interest for Cisco, only because it was starting to get weird, only because they didn't want to have to deal with. Uh, black male sexuality. We've said that before. We've talked about that on numerous. Are you going to complain that they had to, that? Why uh, they... she's boring? She's fucking boring. Oh, and that she Oof. and I'm not saying that. John, no, no, no. Penny Johnson is not boring. Penny Johnson is great. Love Penny Johnson. And the character itself is not a poorly rendered character. She's written okay. 
but it was established in an episode, the previous episode that, hey, Jake gets to work as like a pussy real estate agent for his father and says, hey, I found a, I, I found a woman I think you like. Uh-huh. And then he goes, well, okay, well, I don't want to meet. And then they meet, and then they have this like, it's not even a meet cute, it's a meet normal. Mm-hmm. And they have this moment where they talk about that, and he goes, fine, and she goes, you want to get coffee? And they get coffee, and then she finds out that her brother likes baseball, and he likes baseball too. Yeah. Like, at no point, I don't know, like, that is not a story. That is not interesting. That is not established. And if I remember correctly, over the next few episodes, they just sort of date off and on, and she's around when they need her to be. See, I I like, for me, it was like, it was, she's like, oh, I can do this myself. She wasn't necessarily even that into him, and he was like, well, I, I, I now that I see her, she's attractive. and I, She asked him out for coffee. I mean, she didn't Yeah, but she, it was almost like a, like, oh, I'm busy. Well, fine, we'll get coffee. Because everybody, the whole station is fucking talking about it, so fine, I, we'll get I, coffee. I see your point, James. I think that they wanted to... They were trying to make something that was small and seemingly organic. Yeah. And I think that that was the feel that they're going for. And I do think that that translates into a world where everything's so heightened as weird Mm -hmm. because it's a very heightened world. Yeah. I mean, you have, they go to a mirror universe where Cisco fucks everybody (laughs) and then he comes back and then he makes like (laughs) that casual small talk. So yeah, I I think that. I think that's what you're seeing is like a tonal, two different tones buttressing up against each other. And it's weird. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I have a problem with any of the stuff that happened between Cassidy Yates. I think she's interesting. Like, no. I just think that it's not something that we're used to seeing in such a heightened world. Yeah, yeah. Where they try to dial the fader down a little bit, it's a little bit weird. Yeah. And that, I mean, as she goes on, she, and it's not like they fix her. She's not Bashir. As they go on, she, is as no, wait sometimes a characters. Wait a I think right wait. off the bat, we know we know a lot about Cassidy Yates as a fully figured, yeah, realized character. Like they have a direction, but not a. F- but is it though? I mean, other than she's, yeah, I think what? Well, What's her trait? What's her trait? Well, she's, name five things about her. Number one, uh, family's important to her. Boom, know that right off the bat. Yeah, that's number true. number okay. two. She's a professional person. She has a career that she has to think about. She's indebted to some people. She has to think about her bosses. Mm-hmm. She can't just go do what she wants. So she's a responsible person that has obligations that don't have shit to do with Starfleet, for one. And that she's not she's not working in suboptimal Starfleet yes. conditions. Right. She does so she's, she's working in like a and smart. She's got a Mark V transporter that she can't yeah. she's got to work and that puts her in almost like a almost like a contractor or freighter i mean like a, a freighter they say that but like almost like i don't want to say she's a truck driver yeah she's when you're tr- when you're working for the batarians they're not gonna put in for a mark seven transporter yeah or a mark six you're stuck with a mark five which they don't make anymore so it puts her in the it, it's like the nostromo mm-hmm. she's on the nostromo before the alien kills no, her. number three or four on the list she's not that easily impressed with the cisco yeah just because he's starfleet number one Number two, just because he's a man in, in, in power. Number two, it's not that big of a deal to her. It's like I don't think that I don't none yeah, of that. Like none she, of that was none of that's clear. None of that's clear. for me. It was like she was like, oh, this is fine. I'd rather go listen to she my. She wasn't throwing herself. Out. I'd rather go listen to baseball. And then once they get baseball together, it's like, oh, you like baseball. That's when they finally click. It's like a up until the baseball thing, which whatever about the baseball, which I, you know, it could have gone either way, I think, with the date. It mm-hmm. felt like a billion Tinder dates or OK Cupid dates or whatever that I've been on before, where it's like, oh, it's what do you do? OK, 
Where are you from? It's all the same questions. It's not bad. This person seems perfectly nice, but there's no nothing clicks. And you're like, okay, well, we'll go out for coffee. We'll get drinks. And then I'll maybe if I bored, I'll say, yeah, we'll meet up again. But I'll probably never talk to this person again. That's what it felt like to me. It was like, okay, nothing's clicking here. And then finally, like, oh, when they learned that this 200-year-old sport that her brother plays on Cestus 3. Mm-hmm. Which is a callback to the original series, by the way. Yeah, I thought it might be. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it also takes three weeks for a subspace transmission to come through, which... I thought those were immediate, but I don't know. I mean, it's but I, guess I mean so. it's I mean it's really far away. It's near the Romulan border, yeah, yeah. I believe. It was on the. I mean, there was a. It's been mentioned on multiple. Yeah, yeah. It's been an issue on multiple episodes in the arena. It was the arena episode. Okay, yeah, yes. The Gorn hegemony. So me and he disagree with you on Cassidy Eights. I think it's sort of. A... Well, I knew that. I, I knew that. Okay, but I don't, hey, I don't want to. First off, I think all of that stuff is like I said. I don't think her character is rendered bad. I don't want a sexier character or a let i mean i'm not i don't want any of that and she's great actress so it's not a, a capability issue it's the idea that i feel like that they wedge at the end of the season and i knew that they had to do a lot of business at the end of the season but they wedge this in because they have this weird need for cisco because he's this bad i don't know it's weird as his son gets older his family situation is less immediate and why doesn't cisco have a sexuality component is an issue for a star trek show yeah because star trek they get a lot of mileage out of that eventually with you know with picard and with everyone specifically with shatner but they get a component out of that and so they have to do it but they have this weird thing that they don't know what they're going to do with a black man on television in 1995 so they give him a stable relationship so they give him a stable normal relationship that doesn't even have an interesting non-normal beginning where like what if he wanted to reject her because he's irritated that everyone's trying to force him to go out on the state with this woman and what if he rejects her and he's mean to her? And then they, I mean, like, what if there's a story? And then, yeah. like, she, re- and then right. they get together and then she rejects him. And that, guess, what if it's I a think story? You could, see this, you, you could see the scaffolding, I think, is your problem. And that, yeah. Yeah. I and think, that I feel like that they wanted Why to, didn't they make them Ross and Rachel, is what you're saying? Well, <laughs> that, that shit was compelling to the people that that was geared towards. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. there is, yes, guys, sometimes cliched stories are cliche for a reason. It's because they structurally work. Shakespeare wrote dynamic like why didn't it have like i mean you said ross and rachel but let's say it's uh what's why it, is it iron and- stephen bear shakespeare is your beef <laughs> that's my fucking point no yeah no that's my fucking point i mean it's star trek right shakespeare's star trek right it's shakespearean that's what they like to say they do this later with dax and her relationship it's a much more complicated beginning to a ultimately stable and satisfying relationship for the show. It feels like a shortcut. I think that they made it a nothing beginning, which I think consigns Cassidy Yates to being a nothing character. And I think that's a flaw for the show, even though I think that she as a person, as a character, is a fine character. I think this idea of a blue collar, career focused, self-possessed woman is great. That's an interesting point. And I think that Penny... And I think that Penny Johnson is a great actress. Right. So none of the, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing my usual critiques of like I did with Dax or Bashir or anything like that. 
I just think that it she's not well, a particularly rewarding what, what, part of the show, and they don't, and it's because it doesn't start with an electricity. Well, it doesn't it. start with an actual story. Like, it, 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 <laughs> yes. yeah, I think that's what your problem is. The B plots lately have been like, "Hey, this thing happens." Yes, and not, yes exactly. Yeah, they actually do a, have a. Th- you you actually are kind of t. Te- it also it's almost worse because if she was two dimensional, a two dimensional character mm-hmm. would almost fit better into this little nothing that this was. Yeah. This, just a short encounter yeah which is fine like shows can have that Mm -hmm. but it's weird how they modulate it up against you know everything else that goes on the show she is i mean and going on she's only on 15 episodes what wow yeah wow so i mean that's that's what i'm saying is that she's just she's there so that it's not weird that he's not fucking people yeah Mm, and mm. that bothers me. Well, she's got she's instrumental <laughs> in my favorite scene of all of DS9, but we'll get there later. Oh, okay. I don't want to yeah. is, is this in the is this in the It's one we've yeah. talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one yeah, we've talked yeah, about yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 she's great. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's where they have this great character and this great woman, this great actress who's there. And she is a part of Cisco's life on his journey, and that's fine. I just wish I don't know. I wish they well, put James. You should read all sixteen of the Cassidy <laughs> Yates novels that, that are out there. That yeah. If you want more Cassidy I mean, Yates, man, the t- dramatic tension in that is fucking amazing. I hear. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And so I, before everybody calls, my issues aren't with her as a character, and my issues aren't with her as an actress. My issues are with her use. In the show. Okay. okay. So underutilized. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You, you can hate me for my point of view. I just want to be hated for my point of view, not for <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. like. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, All right. Uh, yeah. My favorite Cassidy Yates novels will cross over with Keiko, where Keiko's got a whole uh, shipment of Klingon ferns <laughs> that need to be shipped. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite books. Oh, series. yeah. That's the one where they have to go up against uh, Quark's Klingon ex wife. Right. Right. Yeah, the Klingon. <laughs> against the villain. Yeah. Ke- it's called Keiko and the Klingon furs. So, yeah. <laughs> you guys can look that up on Amazon. Okay. Uh, all, right. all right. Well, I feel like we've, I think, feel feel like we took a deep dive into this episode. Is there anything else that you guys are wanting to talk about? Or um, no, it's I think we covered. Yeah. James. Uh, James. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is the first episode in a while where I feel like James liked the episode but had more beef with it than the like <laughs> waiter myself yeah yeah i'm gonna it's like progress was like that where i was like no this is good it's just yeah i think that you it's easy to hate shitty shitty tv what most people skip on rewatches they would skip i don't know oh man i might have this on my are you saying that this is a candidate for your white album skip? No, 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 no. I'm saying that this is not a skippable. I mean, I'm not. Maybe it is, but I'm saying yeah, that this is. is a higher <laughs> level episode. This is not just a the O'Brien gets unstuck from time episode or something like that. This isn't like a space puzzle episode. This is a pivotal. I mean, not pivotal, but I mean they they're mining more interesting emotions. Yeah, and so therefore I can hate it on another level. This is Eugene O'Neill, man. This is Eugene O'Neill with a touch of that scene from Game of Thrones where the. T- year old boy is sucking on his mom's tit. <laughs> yeah. Like that was the same gross now. Eugene O'Neill with Game of Thrones. That's our tagline <laughs> right there to make people pissed off when it doesn't that, match that up. That would be pretty great. That would be pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'd watch some Eugene O'Neill. <laughs> watch the yeah. fuck out of that. But if, I, if, if that's what you sold this episode to me as, and then I watched these weird frog aliens <laughs> laying on their gross, gross mom's makeup. Yeah, and it resulted in a deadpan, two people deadpan staring at the television. <laughs> yeah. 
I'd be, yeah. yeah. All right. Now, let's, what's the... Yeah, what's the rating? What's the general consensus on this? All right. You guys want to take a guess? 7.7. I'm going to go lower, 7.2. We had 623 people vote on this, and it's a 7.1. Okay. James is pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, people, and you know what? That makeup probably was pretty off-putting for a lot of people. Yeah. And the mom, why don't you get naked? I'm uncomfortable with you wearing clothes. (laughs) Yeah, okay, yeah, sure, probably that too. (laughs) Okay, give me me my, what did Plankton have to say? Uh, He said it was overall a funny episode, kind of silly. It was kind of a nothing burger for him. I think the he, he was uh, he picked up on the yucks. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was family business. Next week we got Shakar. Oh. Yeah, which we got more. We got a lot of Bajoran space politics. All right. We got a dead premiere. We got the ascension of the Kai to right. political, and then yeah, we got a lot to unpack. Next. Yeah, shit, shit, things go tits up on Bajor. All right. Mm. And I think we, and I think they just quickly established that Kira gets a new love interest. Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember this. I don't remember any of this stuff at all. Yeah, I mean, either. All right, well, let's move on to our, I don't know. uh, Priority transmissions, our newly christened. Or whatever else we're calling it. (laughs) Richard Richard Coombs transmissions. (laughs) (laughs) Richard Coombs is my favorite from that. <laughs> Rebanimator movie. <laughs> Rebanimator. Okay, are we? The clothes. Okay. Would you feel more comfortable if I took them off? Well, maybe just a little. All right, if it'll make you feel better. And now to make you feel better, or or not, probably not. But here's a quick thing: wouldn't be an episode if we didn't talk about this. I guess. I believe this one's mostly about. Oh, you guessed it. Bashir. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say past tense. No, no, we're past, past tense. It's all a bit. I know, but still. Well, we named this episode They Shoot Bashirs, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they still shoot Bashirs. They, they shoot. They? Yeah, okay. They shoot Bashirs, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> and then we could, because we could just have just like the Colin Bashir episode. If you wanted to, what's that meme of the two storm of the two Lego stormtroopers beating a horse? We can just put Bashir's head on the horses. All right, all right. Let's get voicemail, Bashir. I might actually bring something <laughs> new to it though. So, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we have our next voicemail. Here is from Pluto Burns, who hasn't called in a while. Right. Y'all remember Pluto Burns? I do. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just want to jump into it? Hit it. Hey, fellas, it's Pluto Burns again, calling about the recent episode of Distant Voices and the uh, ongoing debate about uh, Alexander Siddig's acting. Okay. Um, that was a bad episode, and he didn't do a particularly good job in it, but I'm very much of the opinion that it's he is a limited actor, but he's being written really, really badly. Um, jumping ahead in the series, the episode where they... Cut for spoilers. Yeah, we're cutting some of this out. Sorry, I'm not major, but... Uh, no spoilers, promise. Minor, but, you know, I'm not going to push it. The, the first time I remember being impressed by Alexander Siddig's acting is when... He, well, it's minor, but, you know, I'm going to call it... That was so believable, and I bought it. And I think the, the problem comes from that they're trying to write him one of two ways. They're trying to either do him as the naive, intelligent person who's like, he's all school learning and he's got no real world experience. And then he steps on people's toes because he doesn't know what to say. 
like in the very first episode where he says, we're at Frontier Medicine. <laughs> Alexander Sadig can do that. He can play obnoxious and smarmy smart convincingly. But they keep trying to write him like he's Riker, like he's a suave, <laughs> yes. charismatic ladies' man. No, the character is wrong for that, and Alexander Siddig cannot effectively sell it. And I, I, I feel the exact same way about uh, the upcoming episode, Arman Bashir. No, he's not good in that episode. They're just tr they just wrote a good episode around him for a change. I'm undecided. So yeah, it's an ongoing thing. Um, they, we probably would have been better off with a different doctor. Maybe not necessarily a different actor, but just a different conceit of a doctor would probably have really helped him out. Oh, love the show. Bye. <laughs> All right, we just have some further examination into the yeah. Sadig Bashir problem, yeah. which is what I'm going to start referring to it the Bashir. as the the Bashir uh, the Bashir question the B, the BQ that's the title the of BQ. episode. So, all right, well, Pluto, thank you for your input. <laughs> the, I think we've kind of covered over similar territory, yeah. but I mean, it seems here's what I want to point out: people seem to acknowledge a few things here. One, he's a limited actor. Or not very good. <laughs> Two, the writing of the character is not very good. Yet, still through all of these admissions, people still seem to really like like really it. Digging. And that baffles me. Um, well, we I grew up with it before we knew better, one. I did, anyway. Well, I mean... Yeah. I mean, I watched... Uh, yeah, I mean... You have an affinity for, you know... I mean, I don't want to say we all love Star Trek. I don't want to even say we give it a pass because it's Star Trek, because fuck that. We want quality in our entertainment. But that's harder to do than you think. It is. Yeah. It takes vigilance to actually go back and actually, like, be hard to your idols. Right. And how do you even... I mean... If you, especially if you grew up in the '90s watching this shit, mm -hmm. it has an you know an emotional place for you, like it does for me. Yeah, but at the same time, every kind of interaction is like that. You know, every everything's subjective, man. Case in point, like when we were in high school, we I loved the Afghan Wigs a lot, <laughs> and like their new albums come out, and I'm listening to it, and I'm just kind of like, oh, well, they their old stuff used to be good, so you Spotify the old stuff, and it's kind of it's no, oh, it's not uh, as great. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Re it's repetitive and it's overly emotional, and I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, but but I'm I I don't in my heart I will never hate it. You know, right? No, I I definitely I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It's like for all those people, oh, those of us or not us that was really in the Pearl Jam and then yeah. decided Pearl Jam wasn't as great as we thought it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, There's <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that in your life. When I sat down and watched He-Man, when it hit Netflix like a couple of years ago with my son. Oh, my God. I sat down and watched it. and I oh, He-Man's a hard And one, I was yeah. like, I loved He-Man. I was like, Daniel, this is the best stuff. We're going to sit here and we're going to watch it. We're going to have a father-son moment. And I sit down and I'm like... This show fucking sucks. They yeah. introduce a new character every <laughs> yeah. episode. It's clearly just to sell toys. What the fuck yeah. is wrong with me? Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way about uh, Captain N. Uh, yeah. Like, that show, when I, when I was a kid, blew my mind every week. You know. Oh, is that the one where you'd buy the toys with a stand? That was the Nintendo and, one, wasn't it? No, that's Captain, yeah, that's captain in yeah 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 where he had that he was... had the controller on his belt and he had the light gun as an actual zapper mm -hmm. and he hung out with Mega Man and link and fought mother brain oh captain 
Oh, I was thinking of something. There was another show. I don't remember what it was. You bought the toys, and then you're at a thinking certain point of Captain, in the show, Captain Shit. <laughs> but you shoot the light gun at the videos, at the videotapes, and like they would interact with the toys. Is that what you're talking about? It's something like that. Yeah, that it was like you you're interacting with the toys as the episode was happening. Not even when it. I, I had one of those. Anyway. All our millennial wow. listeners are like, what the fuck are you talking about? As far about? as Captain N goes, uh, Movie Bob Chipman, the YouTuber, has somewhere on YouTube, deep in the annals of YouTube, ha- in the annals, of YouTube. It's so anally deep. <laughs> there is there. a, he made a tribute video to Captain N, and there's a lot of like information about it that I didn't know. Oh, I do remember. Hey, yeah, I need, I need to check that out. Yeah. 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 Do you remember this now, Wade? It's coming back to me. He's got the his belt is the <laughs> controller, yeah. and it's Mother Brain. Yeah, and, Mother Brain's. He's in like a Letterman jacket or something. Yeah. Oh, it was the coolest. I I never wanted to be anything more than Captain It. Like that was that guy was living his best life, as far as I was concerned, mm-hmm. as a kid. <laughs> Power. That was it. Oh, it's Captain Power. Yes. Captain Power were the toys. The toys that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Generic Captain. Yeah. It's not that crazy in idiosyncratic of a name mm-hmm. but yeah whatever okay yeah um did we even talk about people are here for Bashir, even though they admit he's not that great i don't get it. nope yeah 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 i mean i mean oh we got other voicemails we just don't have time to fit them all in we'll fit them in somewhere maybe anyways give us a call at 917-408-3891 Send us a message via email, via rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com. Follow us at acquisition pod. Do all the other shtick and shit and other stuff that every other podcast asks you to do. But yeah, do it for us. It, it actually does help us out. Uh, follow Crimes Against Hughes Manatees on Tumblr and Patreon. And Forever James's YouTube channel and, you know, help with whatever you want. Whatever you feel like, man. Follow us on Tumblr. Like I said, all the other stuff everybody tells you to do. Do everything for us. Yeah, because we, we, I love you. Haven't said that in a while. I hope you know that I do. And everybody else does too. And also, how do we end this thing? Three to beam out. Beep. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.